This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Hello, everybody. It's, it's been a tough week. It's, it's one that we won't ever forget. It was a week where images of Americans entering the U.S. Capitol in a, in a bid to protest the certification of a presidential election, it, it, it had uh, unimaginable effect on this nation. And, and for a short time, and, and this is still hard to reconcile, no, no matter what side you're on in this national controversy, uh, for a short time, protesters occupied the chamber of the United States Senate. They occupied the office of the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. By now, you've, you've all seen the photos. You've seen the images. It didn't last long, but it happened, and, and it was frightening. And the imagery of the Capitol Police barricading the door of the House floor with their firearm aimed at a protester peering through a broken window into the the chambers of the people's house. But it was a symbolism of democracy. It was an allegory for the resilience of our form of republic. And, And that just hours after a protester sat in the chair of the president of the United States Senate, the vice president of the United States sat in that same seat and in the middle of the night certified the results of the election. Uh, So we're at a point where all of us, we all need to be cautious. We need to be cautious about our rhetoric. We need to to not incite others to be respectful of those who have different views uh, uh, so that that we have have peace and we can move on. And and for many reasons, the memories of January 6th will be resolutely etched in our minds. And, And among them was the death of Brian Sicknick. 42-year-old U.S. Capitol Police officer who died after he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher on Wednesday. Officer Sicknick was a New Jersey native, former resident of South River. He served this country in the Air Force National Guard, uh, including overseas deployments in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. And the nation mourns the loss of a man who gave his life protecting the U.S. Capitol. Uh, I will talk more about the events in Washington this week with two U.S. congressmen who were firsthand witnesses uh, of the events and, and are now playing a role on how America moves on, including the possible impeachment of the President of the United States. At 520, I'll speak with Congressman Andy Kim, and at 535, I'll be joined by Congressman Tom Malinowski. Uh, both of them are Democrats from New Jersey. Both of them have called for Donald Trump's removal. But what they have to say is serious, it's important, and it's worthy of your intention. Uh, There were a couple of other big stories in New Jersey on Friday, all all first reported by the New Jersey Globe. The legalization of marijuana, that was approved by voters in a November referendum in a landslide, two-to-one margin. Uh, That law, that law that implements the referendum is dead again. And so to be clear, weed is not legal in New Jersey right now. And don't ask me when because when it's going to happen, because I don't know. Uh, Governor Phil Murphy has been holding on to the enabling legislation for a couple of weeks. He's declined to sign the bill until the legislature passes what's called a cleanup bill. Simply put, they want to 
clean up discrepancies between legalization and decriminalization. And the cleanup bill was approved by the Senate Judiciary Committee on Thursday. Murphy said he'd sign it, but it, and it was supposed to be on, uh, on the calendar for a full Senate vote on Monday. But on Friday, the deal fell apart. It collapsed. And two key senators, Nicholas Scatari, the Judiciary Committee chairman, and Teresa Ruiz, the Senate president pro dem, both withdrew their sponsorship. Uh, Senator Scatari told me on Friday that he feared that the changes, which included penalties for people under age 21, would simply lead to more arrests of young people from communities of color. Uh, that puts Scatari on the same side as the Legislative Black Caucus. And it's important to note that nobody in New Jersey has been more supportive of, of the legalization of marijuana than Senator Scatari. Uh, he, he has been on this for, for 20 years. Uh, and it's a step backwards for Phil Murphy in his reelection year after making the legalization of marijuana a cornerstone in his legislative agenda. Uh, personally, I think this is going to get done. Uh, but like everything else in government, the wheels spin slowly. Uh, here's some more news. And, and this, folks, is immensely important. As Joe Biden prepares to assume the presidency, New Jersey will get a new United States attorney. Uh, this is a huge deal in a state where there is just one federal prosecutor, and it's one of the most powerful, one of the most influential jobs in New Jersey. And on Friday, the New Jersey Globe reported exclusively that the short list of likely candidates for U.S. attorney is now down to seven, and each of them are current or former prosecutors. It's a diverse list. It could mean the first woman U.S. attorney in 24 years. It could be the first Latino U.S. attorney. It could be the black, first black U.S. attorney. Uh, but either way, it's happening. The, the current U.S. attorney, Craig Carpenito, stepped down this week in anticipation of a, a change uh, of parties in the White House. And, and now it'll be up to the U.S. senators from New Jersey to suggest the name. It'll be up to the Senate to confirm them. It'll be up to the, the president to nominate them and then the Senate to confirm them. And, and here's how the process works. Uh, the name traditionally comes from the senior senator from the state, the senator with the most seniority, if, if the president and the senior senator from the same political party. In New Jersey, that's Bob Menendez. And Senator Menendez will make the recommendation to Biden after consultation with the other senator, Cory Booker. The last U.S. attorney nominated by a Democratic president was selected by Frank Lautenberg after Barack Obama's election, when Lautenberg was the senior senator and Menendez was the new guy. Uh, and I should point out that Bob Menendez, uh, he had an extraordinary week, tempered largely through the crisis at the Capitol on January 6th. But Democrats won control of the U.S. Senate on Tuesday after picking up two seats in the Georgia runoff. That means that Bob Menendez will be the new chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. That is a enormously influential position that puts the senator from New Jersey on the global stage. 
the other thing worth noting, uh, specifically in the context of a U.S. attorney nomination, is something uh, people not on the inside of politics really know about. And that's the fact that Bob Menendez and Cory Booker get along so well. They really do. There's a sort of a sugary bromance between the two. It's not the way it usually works. Now, I've watched the two of them together. I've seen them interact. The friendship between them is genuine. Uh, but Menendez and Frank Lautenberg didn't get along. They bickered over some federal appointments. Lautenberg thought as the senior senator it was his turn to get them all. And Menendez thought he was entitled to a couple of the crumbs. The feud between Frank Lautenberg and Bob Torricelli was legendary. Uh, the classic story is the time that Torricelli uh, absolutely lost it in a Senate Democratic caucus meeting. And he said to Lautenberg, I'm going to cut your balls off. Uh, that was his public statement. That's what we saw in the press. You can be sure that that other versions of it said behind closed doors were much different. Uh, Lautenberg and Bill Bradley didn't particularly like each other. I remember Lautenberg was jealous of of Bradley, uh, a former New York Knicks star, had a national celebrity. Uh, the word that Frank Lautenberg used, uh, his words, not mine, was luster. And Bradley got along with Harrison Williams, until he didn't. Williams had remained in the U.S. Senate despite his conviction in the Abscam scandal. He resigned the day after Bradley announced that he would vote to expel him. And it's, it's 40 years since the last time uh, before Menendez and Booker, the two U.S. senators from New Jersey, actually uh, actually got along so well. Uh, so... So they and those two senators, Clifford Case, Harrison Williams, they treated other with civility. Uh, they they didn't attack each other even during political campaigns. Those were uh, those were very very different times. So I want to give everyone an advanced look at what's coming up in the next couple of weeks on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. Uh, next Saturday marks the third anniversary of Phil Murphy taking the oath of office as the. 56th governor of New Jersey and Governor Murphy will join me here on WABC next week uh, January 16th to talk about his state of the state address uh, that happens this Tuesday about his first three years in office and perhaps most importantly about his fourth year in office so so please please tune in that will be a, an, an extra special time and and on January 23rd Right here, live on 77 WABC, the New Jersey Globe will host the first debate between the Republican candidates for governor of New Jersey, Jack Cittarelli and Doug Steinhardt. Uh, this is a contest to pick a, a Republican opponent to take on Phil Murphy. The gloves have already come off in this race. And at this point, I'm not ready to say who the front runner is because there isn't one. Uh, Doug Steinhardt's playing to the base of the Republican Party, the Republicans who, who remain loyal to Donald Trump, and this is going to be one to watch. Uh, we're going to be back in uh, a couple minutes with Congressman Andy Kim to talk about what he saw in the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday. And coming up at 535, I'll be joined by another congressman, 
Tom Malinowski, uh, to talk about what's happening in America today. Both are can't-miss interviews from, an eye, from eyewitnesses to a major event in this nation. Uh, so, so we're going to watch very carefully about, about what, uh, what they have to say. This is David Wildstein, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Uh, Andy Kim defeated a Republican congressman in 2018 after serving on President Obama's White House staff, uh, reelected last year by a substantial margin, uh, and he was sworn in on Sunday to his second term in Congress. Congressman Kim, welcome. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're you're safe after the events of this week. And and Congressman, I I saw a photo taken of you in the in the middle of the night in the rotunda of the Capitol. You were on your knees helping to clean up debris uh, that was left hours earlier by protesters who entered the building. What did you think when you walked into the Capitol uh, in the middle of the night and saw the condition it was in? Yeah, after after we got back in session, uh, we cast our first vote of the evening, and I went for a walk around the Capitol to survey the damage for the first time. Uh, and when I got to the rotunda, I'll be honest, David, my 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 heart really just broke. Uh, it was just so hard to see this this room that I love so much, you know, the center of this building. You know, the Capitol building to me is the most beautiful building in the country, and the rotunda is sacred ground and and there was just debris and and trash everywhere there was broken glass broken furniture shards of wood cigarette butts put out on statues and cast on the ground it, it was it was it was really hard to see uh, so you know i i just i just kind of instinctively just started cleaning up um and just just um, just wanted to leave that room in a better condition and treat it with the respect that it deserves and when you worked you worked for the State Department and the National Security Council. You were, you were in Afghanistan and Iraq. How did the world view the images of the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday? Well, you know, I, I think everyone is still processing it, but I'm, I'm sure it was a, a, sh- a shock to everyone across the world as it was to Americans across this country. Whether you were there in person or not, I remember I t- when I talked to my mom on the phone and telling her that I was safe. You know, she sounded like she was, you know, hyperventilating, and she felt like she was just right there. I think many Americans, you know, felt that way. And I think for people around the world, I, I think this is just another incident uh, in that that just kind of shocks their conscience. But I do think that this was just a magnitude beyond anything else that they probably had seen during the, the, the four years of the Trump administration. You know, this was literally one branch of government attacking another branch of government. I mean, it just shows this level, deep level of, of dysfunction in America. And this is going to be something that will take you know, years, if not decades, to try to recover from. And, and Congressman, on, on Thursday, you called for the immediate removal of the president, whether it's through the through invoking the 25th Amendment or through impeachment. I, I know I know members of the House spent hours on a leadership call yesterday. Where does it stand right now? I, I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not positive exactly where it is. I mean, I think there's a real I mean, there's a commitment across the board from Democrats and, and some Republicans 
for the removal of the president. I mean, he is someone that just is not in the right mindset to be able to be our leader, does not have the confidence of our nation. I mean, not only did he incite the attack on the Capitol, but he never condemned it uh, on that day. You know, he, he had a video that spoke lovingly about his uh, his supporters that were at that moment ransacking the Capitol. And, you know, on top of that, you know, look, he, he, you know, we at the Capitol needed the help of the, you know, the D.C. National Guard, which is on orders of the, the president of the United States. And, it, you know, the delay from the White House and ultimately it was Vice President Pence, not even Trump, that moved forward on that. You know, it just shows that, that we're, uh, you know, we're we're in a really bad shape here. So, uh, you know, I think there's a, a real expectation that we will move forward quickly one way or another. Uh, but uh, there is no real set timeline at this point. Point. Uh, we're trying to still work that out. And, and some some people, Congressman, have expressed concerns about the nuclear codes and 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 what we're what we're looking at short term. You worked in the National Security Council. You you ran the Iraq desk inside the White House. What safeguards are in place to prevent any catastrophic decisions from a military standpoint being made? Okay, and, and we unfortunately have lost Congressman Kim uh, momentarily, but I'm, I'm speaking with Congressman Andy Kim uh, of New Jersey. We're going to try and get him uh, back on the line. And, and I have to tell you, one of the things about Congressman Kim that, that was apparent to me, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying this, uh, taking sides or anything, but I saw the images of him picking up the debris in the rotunda, uh, down on his hands and knees. Uh, uh, this is a genuine guy. This was not a guy who was doing this from a, from a photo app standpoint. Uh, uh, if, if my read on it is correct, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm certain that it is, uh, uh, he didn't see the photographer there. This was just, this was just instinctive. And, and this, is, this is one of the great things about New Jersey is whether it's Democrats or Republicans, you've got a lot of good people in New Jersey who are who are there to to step up and do what's do what's right for the country. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. I'm sorry for that for that. Uh, but but I was no, saying, no worries. I was asking about about the nuclear codes from your 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 position uh, from the National Security Council. Uh, tell me about the safeguards that are in place right now to uh, from a military standpoint, to prevent any kind type of, of decision being made that, that might be the long-term detriment of the country? Well, I think, uh, Bruce, if you're there, I think, I, I, I don't hear the congressman, uh, but but we will, uh, we're, we're in the process of getting him back, and I, and I apologize uh, to, the, to the people that are, are listening. Uh, Right now, what's happening in America is is there is a there is uh, a movement afoot. Uh, here we are on the 9th of January to uh, to remove Donald Trump from the presidency uh, with just 11 days left to go in his term. There is a, there is a, a concern by some uh, that he should not remain in office, and and what we're waiting for here is is some movement from congress it's this is not going to be an easy task there's a process at hand uh uh the cabinet is not going to invoke the 25th amendment as as some members uh of the house and the senate on both sides had hoped they would 
and this puts it in the hands of the Congress, and, and this, this will condense a process that, that typically takes, takes weeks, if not months, uh, to go through. Congressman, are you back with me? <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about what's going on. I, I'm sorry. Maybe it's the question. Maybe I'll, I'll just move on. But, 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 Congressman, January 20th, there'll be a transition to power. How will Joe Biden, as president, heal the wounds of the nation? How will he address the 74 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump? Well, look, it's 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 not going to be like a light switch. You know, this is something that's going to take a long time, and I think the American people need to recognize that. And and I'm sure President-elect Biden does. You know, there's going to be a long road to recovery ahead. And first and foremost, it starts with trying to reestablish you know, respect and, and, and decency in our government for us to be able to talk with one another. Uh, you know, without that kind of foundation, you know, we, we saw the lack of respect, the disrespect of the Capitol and the disrespect of our Constitution on January 6th. Uh, if we don't have that foundation, we're not going to be able to heal. So, you know, those are some of the things that I'm, I'm most concerned about. Uh, but it's going to be very hard. And, uh, you know, I see that in, in the New Jersey 3rd Congressional District. This is a district that voted for President Trump twice. You know, I, I on a daily basis, uh, talk with people that are, are supporters of the, of the president. And, and we try to find at least a common foundation of respect where we at least have a dialogue and a conversation. Um, and so far, I feel like we've been able to do that in this district. And I hope that that sets an example for what we can do in the country. Sure. And, and- Congressman, I'm talking to Congressman Andy Kim of New Jersey. I've, I've watched the president-elect nominate, appoint several top officials, cabinet members, senior White House staffers that you know well from your time in the Obama administration. Uh, how will those kind of connections help you to serve uh, your constituents in the 3rd District? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm very excited that you know, we have a lot of strong leaders stepping up uh, in these important positions of consequence. These are a lot of them. They are professional. They are people with deep levels of experience. And you're right. I, I have seen that firsthand for a number of them. Uh, I, a mentor of mine, former boss of mine, will be the next Secretary of State you know, as long as it gets through the confirmation. Uh, Tony Blinken um, and you know others. But uh, you know, look, I, I think that uh, this is a place where it will help me in terms of having a direct line to you know a lot uh, in a personal relationship and, and a way that I can connect with some of the senior leadership. And I hope that I can position myself as one of the strongest connectors and bridges between Capitol Hill and this administration. And hopefully that will help me make sure that the issues and the priorities that I hear from the people in Burlington County and Ocean County, that those are ones that I can steer the agenda of the country to try to focus on what it is that I need to get done for this district. So again, I'm just 100% laser focused on the district, trying to figure out how I can use these relationships, use these types of efforts to help serve the people I represent. And and Congressman, what Half of your first term in Congress was uh, occupied by by COVID-19, by the pandemic. Does a Biden presidency and Democratic majorities in the Senate and the House necessarily mean an immediate and strong stimulus package for New Jersey? Well, yes, it does. Yes, it does mean that there's going to be a a strong stimulus package. Exactly what shape that will be, uh, we need to see, but no doubt – uh, what happened in Georgia um, that, that feels so long ago, actually, that that, that, that race was, was settled, even though it was just a couple of days ago, uh, that is going to fundamentally change the way that we move forward. So both in terms of the stimulus and then the other aspect of it that we just need to press on, 
Uh, as you know, I served, you know, I served on the select committee on the coronavirus crisis. Yes. The vaccine distribution needs to be supercharged. We just need to move that forward. I visited a, a vaccine distribution center in my district just uh, a week ago, and they're all set up. They can do a lot, but they're just not getting the kind of, of numbers on the vaccine that we that they need to. They could be doing so much more. We should be running at full throttle. Uh, and that is something that I've already talked to the Biden administration or the, the incoming Biden administration about. And uh, I know that they are taking that very seriously. Congressman Andy Kim of New Jersey, thank you for joining me today. It's, it's stay safe. I, I hope you'll come back soon. And I apologize for the uh, the tech interviews with tech, tech issues with this interview. No worries. Thank you for having me, David. My pleasure. And we'll be back with another New Jersey congressman, Tom Malinowski. So please don't go anywhere. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. So welcome back. Tom Malinowski is a former assistant U.S. Secretary of State. Uh, he was elected to Congress in 2018, unseating an incumbent, re-elected last November. Last Sunday, he took his oath of office for the first time. Congressman, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, David. I'm glad you're, you're safe and, and, and doing well. And, and something I can't get out of my head is that, that image uh, that we've all seen by now on the House floor of, of the doors being barricaded and Capitol Police officers with their, their weapons drawn, a- aiming them at protesters that were just a few inches away. How did you feel when you, when you saw this, when you saw this on Wednesday? Well, <laughs> I've been trying to um, reflect on the whole thing. Um, we didn't, no one person saw everything, of course. I was up in the House Gallery, right above the spot where the gun was drawn. And my memory of that moment was of people banging on the doors. Uh, apparently, it felt like surrounding the chamber. Uh, the police frantically rushing from door to door, trying to seal the doors, telling us to take out our gas masks. Uh, and the sound of the voice of the House chaplain, who was standing at the microphone at this moment, uh, issuing a prayer to Almighty God, which was her job. And she did in a lovely way, but did not necessarily contribute to an atmosphere of calm. Sure. We uh, We tried to uh, leave that place uh, as safely uh, as we could, and we were able to gather in a safer location uh, in the Capitol complex shortly thereafter, so we're fine. This is not about us, though. This is about the institution. It's about our democracy. It's about the will of the American people being subverted, and of course, a, a leader of this country who Amazingly, even after four years of Donald Trump, I'm amazed by this, who actually uh, incited a a violent mob to attack the United States Capitol to stop us from doing our duty. That's what happened, and that's what I can't get over. I I, I understand. I'll tell you something I still still can't fathom was was from these, these images, the complete lack of fear that was displayed by the, the protesters? I mean, even even with a gun aimed at them, uh, what, is, what does that mean to you? What does that say to you? 
these people have been living in a world of fantasy, a, a world of unreality on Facebook and Parler and in their QAnon forums, fed lie after lie after lie after lie for months and in some cases years. And what happened on Wednesday was that they emerged from that fantasy world into the real world. They thought the police would be on their side. They thought that it was the day of revelation and revolution uh, on which everything would go their way. And I think that gave them a sense of, of impregnability. Uh, the fact that the president was on their side gave them a sense of power and uh, and and the members of Congress, right, who were basically siding with them in trying to overturn the results of the election. All those things gave them that feeling, we can just march into the United States Capitol, take it over, arrest all of these members of Congress, which apparently a lot of them came prepared to do. And, of course, what they met with was the reality that um, none of that was going to happen. And the country is actually not on their side. And the police uh, is not with them. And um, so I, I, I think that's the best way I can answer that question right now. And, and you, you, as a, uh, you were joined by about 60 of your colleagues, and I know that you took a leadership role in a, in a letter saying that the House should reconvene. And, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll quote what it said, uh, to, to reckon with the assault on democracy that we experienced on January 6th. So what's the current status of where Congress is as it relates to uh, removing the president from office before he normally leaves in, 10, in 11 days? Sure. So co Congress recessed uh, after the certification of Joe Biden's victory. That was the original plan. I think it was a mistake uh, to send members home, even though people were traumatized and tired and arguably needed a break. My, my experience tells me that when the seat of government is attacked, the seat of government must remain open. We must show the American people that we are continuing to work. I'm proud that we weren't intimidated by this. We, we marched right back onto the floor of the House after this happened. The moment the blood was literally cleared off of the floor, finish certifying the election, but I think it was a mistake to send people home. So I, I led a call by several dozen members to our leadership, urging that we come back as soon as practical. And of course, uh, one of the first uh, uh, items of business that we're going to take up is what to do about the president of the United States who instigated this. There are a couple of options on the table. I think we'll probably pursue all of them. Impeachment is one. Another is uh, to initiate the process envisioned by the 25th Amendment. Congress can do that by appointing a high-level commission or group to examine with the vice president whether the president is fit uh, for, for duty. And my hope is that we gather as early as possible next week to take those things up. And, and last year, I mean, you were, you were the target of death threats from QAnon. Uh, so, so, so you have, uh, you have understandably felt, felt unsafe for a while. And, and, and I should point out that never stopped you from, as a matter of, not, not only did it not stop you from speaking out, you, you actually became more aggressive at, at, at dealing with this group, but it's gotta be concerning that members of Congress are, are being made to feel so unsafe. 
I've been warning people about the rise of this fever dream, conspiracy theory-minded extremism in this country, as you know, David, since I was elected. It's been building and building. It's now millions of people who believe this nonsense. And on Wednesday, they descended on the Capitol. QAnon was one of the guiding forces uh, behind the conspiracy theories that, that drew all these people to the Capitol. And the interesting thing is that they're now turning on the Republicans. You saw Lindsey Graham, who stood by President Trump almost uh, right. 100% of the time these last uh, few years. One day, he turns the other way and votes against certifying the election. Now he's being threatened. Uh, Republican members, uh, uh, you know, I, I could see it in their faces, right? They had been promoting these fantasies about the stolen election, and now their lives are threatened by the very people who they, they instigated. Uh, there are a lot of Republican members of Congress, uh, those who were uh, independent of Trump and those who supported Trump, who now are feeling the brunt of this themselves. And I think the lesson is obvious. You feed this beast, you ride this tiger, and eventually it is going to turn on you. So did you ever imagine yourself rooting for a Mike Pence presidency? I was rooting for a Mike Pence presidency two years ago. <laughs> I don't I agree with true, Mike yes. Pence on, on too many things, but he's a sane and competent person who would have led this country responsibly. I wish we had Mike Pence uh, for the coronavirus crisis. I, you know, I don't think he would have been running around making fun of people wearing masks. So absolutely, this isn't a Republican or Democratic thing. We, we'll have those arguments separately. This is about whether we have sane and competent leadership in this country that upholds our laws and that you know, doesn't instigate violence. It's a very low bar. So you worked with Joe Biden when he was vice president. You were the assistant secretary of state. And uh, I, I, remember, I remember last year you spoke of Donald Trump being exhausting. Now, now you're going to have Joe Biden as president. Uh, what will Joe Biden, what will a Democratic Congress mean for New Jersey? Will there be a new cross-Hudson tunnel? Will there be a, a new COVID stimulus package? Yes and yes. Uh, the Hudson Tunnel has been my number one priority, as you know. We made some progress. Even under Trump, we got the money and the approval for the Portal Bridge, which is the first stage of that gateway project. Uh, with uh, Joe Biden, I, I have no doubt that we will – uh, swiftly get the approvals that we need to begin work on the, the, the Hudson Tunnel. So, so important for New Jersey. Uh, and I'll, I will be uh, doing everything in my power to make that happen even faster. Um, we will have, I believe, another stimulus package with the Democratic majority in the Senate. It's a narrow majority, obviously, which means that we have to be bipartisan. We have to be down the middle. But it also means that Mitch McConnell can't block legislation from getting a vote. And, you know, if we get a vote on, say, state and local uh, direct aid, which is something I've been pushing for so that uh, the state of New Jersey and our municipalities can be made whole, if we can get a vote on that, we're going to win that vote. I have no, no question about it. Um, if we can get a vote on universal background checks for gun purchases, we will win that vote. If, if we can get a vote on modest health care reforms, 
we can win that vote. An infrastructure bill that puts people to work, we can win that vote. All those things can be bipartisan. All of those things can move to Joe Biden now. It's going to help us a lot. So, so Congressman, once this transition of power is, is complete, one, one way or the other, you know, whether it's, it's, whether it's in the next couple of days or in 11 days, what, what do you hope your second term will look like? I hope there's going to be a lot less drama and a lot more productivity. We did get some things done the last two years, but obviously this was a period dominated by the the dramas that this president created and, of course, the terrible crisis of the coronavirus. Uh, I think we're going to see, again, a real effort to crush the pandemic, number one. Number two, we're going to see economic recovery as we all get that shot in the arm. We're going to give the economy a shot in the arm with a big infrastructure bill. That's going to be a huge priority for me. And on top of that, I think we're going to need to reckon with some of the forces that were unleashed sure. in, the last, uh, in the last few years. One of my uh, passions right now is holding our social media companies accountable for the, the way in which they've designed these social networks, Facebook and, uh, and, and YouTube, Google in particular, uh, to, to basically accentuate the polarization and the radicalization of our fellow Americans. Uh, I have legislation designed to address that, and I think after what happened in the Capitol, there's going to be a lot of momentum for it. I think, I think that's probably true. Congressman Tom Malinowski, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. And uh, not every New Jersey congressman is looking forward to Donald Trump leaving office. So I'll be back to talk about one who's not. You're not going to believe what Governor Murphy had to say about him this week. This is David Wildstein, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And I I just want to talk quickly about uh, a member of Congress from New Jersey. His name's Jefferson Van Drew. You may remember him as the the party switcher who pledged his undying support of the president. this week, Van Drew at least showed he was a man of his word in that regard, and he was one of the House Republicans who voted against certifying the results of the 2020 election. Uh, Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, he is usually not angry. He's usually not aggressive, certainly not in the form of that his predecessor was. Uh, and, and this week, he body slammed Van Drew, and he said that Van, he criticized Van Drew for, and I'm going to read it exactly, siding with conspiracy theorists. Uh, and throwing his fate in with the far right's disproven and crackpot theory. So this is going to be something to watch because Democrats in South Jersey already looking for a candidate to take on Van Drew. That race started this week. Uh, Governor Phil Murphy will be joining me next Saturday on the third anniversary of his becoming governor. And two weeks from today, right here on 77 WABC, I will moderate the first debate of the Republican gubernatorial primary to pick an opponent for Phil Murphy uh, in the November general election. So thank you for listening. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you've been listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC.